Pretty sure I saw a cryptid the other night, guys. Ooh, <laughs> what kind of cryptid? Uh, you know, he was uh, he was shirtless, he was shoeless, and he was running around, flailing around. It looked like he had like four or five arms. I don't know. What? Sure was it you? This was on Union. <laughs> this was not me. I promise you. <laughs> this was on Union during night night work. Oh. Oh, yeah, I had to call the cops on this guy. He was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was. He was not right in the right mind. You sure it wasn't the Loveland Frogman? Oh, he, he might have traveled this way. The Lakewood Frogman. That's the new. Do we have a new cryptid? We have a new cryptid. We so just we... made a new cryptid. The oh, Lakewood shit. <laughs> if you know anything about Lake Hood, it's uh, it's full of mysterious and mischievous things. Oh, yes. Ever since the Lakewood. What, what's, the one, uh, <laughs> what's the one exorcist that was in Lakewood? That Bob we Larson. Even... Yeah. Good old Bob oh, Larson. Oh, maybe he's summoning demons into our, our little city. Now that he went to Arizona, maybe we can't get rid of the... the possess people i'm telling you we got to get bob larson on <laughs> yeah here. Uh, one more thing before before we move on uh you guys gotta go see nope by the way in theaters it looked that pretty was good wild and you're just not what you We're think going it is tomorrow you think it was aliens it's not aliens it's much worse much what's worse, worse than aliens you'll see these are people spoilers <laughs> just kidding no spoilers well welcome back purgatories to stuck in this purgatory i'm chase and joining me in purgatory as always is hunter nope <laughs> and Hadrian. Hello. And apparently our little city is turning into quite the demonic area. There's a there's a hell portal and everything out there. It's I, it's magical. It's not the so... warp gate. <gasps> the warp gate's mobile. It's not just <laughs> it's exclusive to Lakewood, okay? It moves around. Give it two weeks and it'd be in Park City. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey now. Don't let people know where I'm going. <laughs> it's a surprise. Hey, I said I said the warp gate was going over there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, you just exposed yourself. Chase oh, is the warp gate. <laughs> Spoiler. All right, guys. Well, uh, we have a very special episode for you guys. Um, we were just kind of trolling around on uh, Twitter and Instagram, and we came across a very lovely artist. He's a writer. He's wrote multiple books, and currently he's writing a new book that's going to be released out in September. And I hope I don't butcher this, but it's The Witch's Guide to the Paranormal, correct? All right. So joining us today, the writer himself, Jay Allen Cross. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, we are so excited. Yeah, this is another crazy special episode. So I, I had the, the the privilege of reading your first book. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your uh, your first book a little bit, so people kind of get to the vibe of kind of who you are? You know, introduce yourself, kind of get into that feel, give us a little perspective on your world. Absolutely. So something that I kind of, uh, at least at first, unintentionally uh, like to do with my books is I like to take two worlds that don't normally go together and then just smash them together um, <laughs> and kind of create a bridge there where there wasn't where there wasn't one before. Um, so my first book is American Brujeria, uh, which is um, a book of Mexican-American folk magic um, as practiced in the United States um, by modern people. Um, so essentially what this book is about is it's about 
about a very special type of folk magic that is being practiced right now um, among people who are Mexican-American, um, which means that they've either um, immigrated from Mexico and are living here or are descended um, from people who uh, have immigrated from Mexico and are living here in the United States. And when you are Mexican-American, you are a little bit of an island unto yourself where you're not quite American, also not quite Mexican. And so whenever you have an isolated group like that, um, you end up uh, finding their own spiritual practices, rituals, spells, things like that. Um, and that's really what I wanted to highlight with that book. It was fascinating. Honestly, guys, listeners, I learned so much from this book. I learned not only history about you know Mexican culture, which I'm just fascinated by, but also just the, the general the, the magic is so different. I mean, I don't even know how you explain it. It's because we had Olivia on, which and this and this had its own spin on everything. And and like you said, uh, Jay, with the the way you combine two worlds, that book is is a great example of that. And I, I was, that was my favorite part. I loved the the yin and yang. It was so cool. Thank you so much. I I think that the world could use more bridges, and so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that through my work, I can I can build a few more. So. And I love that, you know, and, and I think this world does need a lot more bridges because we're kind of all kind of all hating on each other too much. Isn't that right, Chase? <laughs> you know what? Times right now are very special times, I think, and um, there's a lot to be said with the uh, the animosity that's out in this world right now. So um, it, it is nice to have something to kind of bring people together like that. So uh, along the lines of um, kind of who you are and, and what you do, um, when did you start practicing witchcraft? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, so I probably started formally practicing witchcraft um, when I was about 10 or 11, I want to say, um, is when I started practicing like actual, like when I actually got a book um, and started working with that. But I come from kind of a magical family. So before that stuff was already happening. And so when I went to kind of go into that world and kind of get books and stuff, it was um more so to try and put uh, vocabulary to what was already going on yeah. um, in, in my world. Um, so, cause I, I grew up with um, some interesting memories of things like um, uh, I had a mother who, you know, reads tarot cards. And so she would do those um, kind of like for her friends at our dinner table, like at night with candles lit. Or um, I remember this candle that was like a blue candle with black glass in it. That my mother was was burning um, to get rid of a boss that was very unfortunate person. Um, so there was a lot of that stuff growing up, but nobody in my family really called it witchcraft or um, necessarily used the same vocabulary we would these days for it. Well, and you know, going back to the episode that Hunter was talking about with uh, Olivia, I think a lot of people do um, some sort of witchcraft in their life, and they're utterly and completely unaware of that. And, you know, it could be something as mundane as just, you know, keeping your kitchen clean. And so I, I, you know, I agree with you on that where it's hard to put a term witchcraft to it because it's got such a bad connotation to it. Um, but I think that a lot of people practice it more than they realize. So That makes if, a lot of sense. Yeah. So if you could, I guess, put a name on the kind of witchcraft you do, do, like you, a, think you, do you think you could? Uh, <laughs> a general title. <laughs> Um, oh God, that's something that I'm constantly trying to figure out. Um, right. If I still go, if, if the term witch is still something that fits me, um, I don't like the term folk magician because it sounds like I'm going to pull a rabbit out of the banjo. Right. Um, <laughs> right. 
So I, I, I do folk magic mainly is, is what I do, particularly um, American folk magic. Um, a lot of what I do um, kind of is emphasized in the American Southwest, which is where my, my kind of family is from. Um, but I love all North American folk magic. Um, I love the stuff that the Pennsylvania Dutch are doing. I love the stuff that they're doing in Appalachia. It's all fascinating um, what we have here in the United States. So I guess just to get a little bit more information on you for myself, um, mm-hmm. are you yourself from Mexico or are your family from Mexico? No, so I am not, um, and neither are my parents. Um, so how my family kind of works is we're both indigenous and we're Mexican a lot of the, the time. So um, my family comes from a tribe in New Mexico called uh, the Pueblo people, and um, we're the ones in the cliffs. Um, and so a great deal of my family branch goes back there a really long time, um, like to the beginning. And then um, I also have a lot of family that did immigrate up through Mexico and kind of land in that area as well. Um, and plus Mexico too was a lot bigger <laughs> back yeah. in the day. Uh, Mexico was, um, I think all of us, not quite a bit of California, um, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, I think like Utah and parts of Wyoming as well. Um, my geography is not great, so that might not all be completely it, true. You know what? Um, Adrian is shaking his head right now, so you're spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado the was one as well. Yeah. Good. Um, so all of that was Mexico at one point um, until we decided to um, proceed the border back down to where it is now. Um, so... It kind of depends on Mexico from which era. Um, either way, my family kind of goes back to both of them on my mother's side, um, which is um, how, how I end up here. <laughs> yeah, the main reason I, I asked is because, um, you know, I would say in, in Mexican culture, um, I don't even want to call it witchcraft. I guess it would be more magical practice, if anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it runs deep in, in, in those roots. And so um, it's it's cool that you and your family have taken it and you guys still carry it to this day. Um, so yeah, that, that's mostly why I was I was asking that question. Awesome. Yeah, it is an interesting kind of a family thing. And I've been told too that um, Puebloan people are kind of inherently magical. And according to my family lore, we, we were certain magical practitioners back there. For some reason, we had to flee the area. Um, no one's told me why, um, which is how <laughs> I ended up in Oregon. Um, mm. So not sure what happened there, um, but... Yes, it's it's something that kind of just happens in my family. Not a lot of people call themselves witches in my family, but there's a lot of stories. Like um, a ghost visited me or... Um, so my mom's adopted when we first got reconnected with this family. It took them all a while to kind of warm up to us. And once they did, a lot of them kind of started coming forward like, so does anything weird happen with you guys? <laughs> and we're like, what do you mean? They're like, I don't know. Do you get mad and like something like explodes or like a light bulb bursts or something and we're like oh yeah that does happen and they're like oh great yeah no that's that's the thing for us and i'm like okay <laughs> i wish that i when i got mad if light bulbs popped i know what the great heck? just like just turn off all the lights instantly i would have to be buying so many light bulbs <laughs> you are an angry little man let me tell you i walk into the office and then just be like shatter 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 <laughs> I, I just would I would like that power because I'm a vampire and I, I'm in the sun all day long. So as, as much darkness as I can get, yes. the better. <laughs> he loves the darkness. 
Um, hey, real quick before we move on to our next question, my my own question, like Chase had, that popped up in my head. Um, so was there like any like relatives in your past, like maybe even ancestor wise, like even way back that maybe you had read about? And, and why I ask this is because like in my ancestry, I, I I've I'm related to P.T. Barnum, which the the circus thing, right? And I always get kind of inspired when I think about that that kind of stuff. So I was just curious if you had some maybe like family inspiration other than your close parents or grandparents or something like that? Um, as far as I know, I'm not related to anyone um, too exciting um, on that front as far as like famous figures in history, um, or at least not that I found. My family history is like four seasons of Desperate Housewives. Like that somebody murdered somebody and then had somebody else's illegitimate child. It's all a big conflict polluted not um so kind of unraveling ancestry for me is a bit of a chore um there's (laughs) a whole lot that goes into it um but i'm slowly unraveling it um i do uh feel a very close connection with my uh, great-grandmother lena um whom i unfortunately never met um but i she lives on in a lot of stories that people tell um and there's a section in the book my first book um, that is dedicated to her, um, that is all about utilizing Vic's vapor rub um, for magic, because she, that was like her thing. She was known for a couple of things. One was being kind of crazy. Um, the second was um, for running out of the house with the butcher knife screaming in Spanish. If anyone <laughs> oh. was on her lawn, because um, we go hard in my family. Um, and <laughs> also her this- love of Vic's vapor rub. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this sounds like my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mom used to just rub Vicks vapor rub all over me whenever I was yep. sick. It like, would go feet, chest, back, nose. You're you're fine. No medicine. Yes. <laughs> just a nice even coating. Yes. Yeah. You should have seen the way Adrian's eyes lit up when you started talking about that. <laughs> it's like, like a devil can't I haven't get used you to when you're slippery with Vicks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is my grandma your grandma? Is my I really need to try Vix. I don't think I've ever tried Vix. I should. It's it's amazing. Really, I've never had luck with it. (laughs) I'll try it. I'll try it next time. But you need like a big three three fingers in that thing. Yeah, go to town. (laughs) Will you come over and do that for me, Adrian? Yes, I will. Thank you. I'll read you a nighttime story too. Wow, what a dream come true. (laughs) Chicken noodle soup too. (laughs) (laughs) So for our next question, we're going to ask for many of our listeners who don't really understand. Uh, do you mind clarifying what is a bruja or brujo? Yeah, absolutely. So these are terms that kind of change depending on where you are. And so there's a lot of nuance in it. There's a lot of kind of sensitivity that kind of comes into it because, um, and part of the reason why I wanted to write my first book was to kind of point out this difference. So if you go to Mexico, a bruja or a brujo is... Um, it translates roughly to witch, um, but specifically, if you are a bruja, you or a brujo, um, you follow or practice at least some type of brujeria, um, which is um, Spanish for uh, witchcraft. However, uh, a lot of people go, "Oh, so because it translates to witchcraft, that means that um, Wiccans." are doing brujeria because they call that witchcraft too. Right. And it's like, no, these are very different practices. This is a very specific kind of section of witchcraft um, and kind of a, a very specific way of going about it. Um, it's it's not too far off of um, 
kind of some of the stuff that we find in Europe because Brujeria did was brought over from Spain. People will send me hate mail for saying that, but it is true. Um, <laughs> however, in the United States, we utilize the terms um, bruja and brujo, and over here you'll see things like brujex um, with an X um, for the uh, kind of gender neutral terminology. Um, and over here, we handle the term a little bit different because in Mexico, it tends to be something that's kind of um, very taboo. Like you don't just tell somebody in Mexico the way that you would in the United States, like, oh yeah, I'm a bruja. Like they would like scream and cross themselves and run away. Um, like um, <laughs> it, it carries a much different weight over there um, because over there, brujas and brujos are, are often seen as being very scary. They can do things to you. They can harm you. Um, in the United States, though, we tend to call everything that's like kind of magical or spiritual or um, new age, all of that is kind of shoved under, under the witchcraft umbrella. And so we have a very different relationship with the word witch. And so it's more commonly found these days for people who are um, some sort of Latino or, or Latinx um, to refer to themselves as brujas and brujos, simply to denote the fact that they are some sort of Latino and a practicing spiritual or, or, or magical worker, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yes. What's mm -hmm. interesting to me is this is how ignorant I am. And I, and that's what we're trying to do on this podcast is trying to really just educate everybody on everything and including just, ourselves, just <laughs> shove it down your throat. And there you go. There's some information, but I always, the only way I knew about brujos and brujas was uh, from Ash versus evil dead. And his uncle is like portrayed as this shaman, witch doctor, super powerful dude. And they always call him his brujo. And I was like, Oh, okay. That must mean something, you know, Mexican witch, I think. And that was kind of uh, my only understanding. And then I read your book and I was like, okay, there's a lot more to it. And now I'm educated. <laughs> Well, when I first heard of it, my grandma used to tell me if I went out past uh, light, if you go out during the nighttime, the brujas would come get you. So that, <laughs> that that's seriously, they, they put the fear of God in you. So then you grow up thinking that bruja or brujo is either evil or nasty. And then you come to find out, no, they're just normal people that just like to do their things a little yeah. bit different. Right. Yeah, Mexican culture loves to um, scare their children into behaving. And yes. I love that. <laughs> I can't speak to that, but yeah, Adrian knows sure. firsthand for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just seeing Adrian's family in my my mind's eye right now. <laughs> yeah, well, when I was doing research, when uh, this uh, I I'm not even butcher this brujeria, mm -hmm. I think I said it right. <laughs> but uh, it was really like started up in the 1500s. When uh, Nicholas Ramos, he was an archbishop of Santo Domingo, and he put uh, black brujos, or male and female who engaged with a the devil in the shape of a goat. So that that's when it first showed up was in the 1500s, and they're basically, you know, putting the fear of God into people again. Makes sense, you know. Fear works. Oh yeah, sadly, it, it always has. <laughs> so. <laughs> So before we move on um, to your more, more recent book, um, do you mind telling our listeners uh, what your first book is that we've been discussing this whole time so they can go check this one out as well? Totally. Um, so my first one is American Brujeria, um, Modern Mexican Folk Magic. Um, 
or modern Mexican American folk magic, uh, more specifically, <laughs> um, and it's available everywhere. And essentially, what it is is it's a a how to guide for people who are Mexican American who want to um, connect with their ancestral magic. Um, and the first thing that a lot of people ask me are like. I don't think I'm Mexican enough for this book. And if you don't think you're Mexican enough for this book, then this book is specifically for you. Um, <laughs> also, if you are from any other Latin American country, like Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Ecuador, um, I had people from Peru who uh, read my book and were like, oh my God, my family makes so much more sense now because a lot of our cultures and a lot of our practices are really, really, really similar. So I do encourage um people who are other types of Latin American to uh, join in. And even if you are not any sort of Latino, um, I have a whole section in the introduction that's how to work with this if you're not Latino. So this book is very much for everybody. Um, I do a how-to guide on several different forms of Mexican-American magic, um, how I've found them to be practiced in the US. Um, and add in some stories and things to think about um and a lot of info it's i, I stuffed it as much as i could my, <laughs> my allotted word count from wiser i was like one word under it <laughs> that's awesome well you know what i think you answered um hunter's burning question if uh <laughs> us two white cornbread dudes over yeah. here the pasty white guys can listen <laughs> can actually use Mexican and you magic. can you can learn a lot from it not only like how to interact and be around that culture and just appreciate it but you can just learn the history and be fascinated by it and and vix right. vapor rub which is truly the most fascinating you know just surface eye level thing to me i just can't believe how important that is in, in mexican families you go to sleep totally. you wake up Perfectly fine, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, wait, I'm using this. Sh I'm gonna use it tonight. Screw it. I'm gonna go out to King Supers and grab it right now. You should and clear up your sinuses perfectly. Bet. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, we're gonna move on now to your more recent book that's coming out here shortly. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of already talked a little bit about this with your family. Um, so I'm gonna try and pinpoint this more on you. Um, and what experiences have you had with the paranormal personally? Have you had interactions with ghosts? Have you had dealt with poltergeists? Uh, you're shaking your head a lot, so I'm assuming there's some good stories coming up. My favorite question. <laughs> I love yes. this question for everyone, every human being. Yes, um, I have had um, quite a few interactions uh, with the paranormal uh, since I was very young. So part of me kind of growing up in, in the family that I grew up in is uh, being psychic as a part of it. Um, we all have kind of our own specialties. Um, I speak to dead people. Um, and I'm, I'm what's known as, if we're going to get fancy, I am a post-cognitive psychic medium and clairvoyant, which means that I often um, see the past and, as opposed to seeing the future. Um, I'll see kind of what happened in the space. Um, I speak to the dead and I often um, receive psychic information either through um, mental pictures or short clips, which is what we call clairvoyance. Um, and also through something called clairsentience, which is through a feeling, um, which is much harder to explain. Um, so I started having interactions with the paranormal when I was very young. And then at about the age of 15, um, I started actively going to people's houses to fix their hauntings, um, essentially. Um, my mom was working, was doing work as a uh, animal communicator, also known as a pet psychic. Um, in my hometown. And so people started coming to her like, hey, you're a psychic. My house is haunted. Can you do something? And she's like, no, 
but my kid can. <laughs> Take <laughs> so, my son. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'd go to someone's business downtown or their house or whatever it was and um, do my best to fix their haunting. And I did that by myself for quite a while until I joined a paranormal group in Portland um, where I now work as part of a team as one of the psychic mediums and as a cult specialist on the team. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Fucking badass. So I've, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of going off our, um, going away from the script that we have for the, for today's episode, but, <clears throat> and I hope I'm wording this right, but how do you, as a psychic, um, personally deal with communicating the dead? And what I mean by that is you're experiencing these, uh, post-traumatic events, um, or you're, you're some sort of turmoil in a past life. Right. And I know for a lot of listeners who, may actually have this ability and don't actually quite understand it, probably had this burning question. And for me personally, um, I have a lot of burning questions about the dreams that I have. I've, we've talked plenty on this episode about the the nasty dreams that I've had, and it's only seem, seeming to progress. So how do you as a psychic handle that? A lot of patience, <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, it can be pretty jarring depending on what it is that you have um, going on psychically. Um, so for me, like post cognitively, um, when I'm doing paranormal investigation, if I'm in a house that's very haunted, normally it's haunted because something happened there. Um, that's not always a good thing that happened there. Um, so I've been in homes before where I am standing in a room, um, trying to pick up on the vibe and suddenly I get shot at post at like point blank range. Um, and I look down and there's just all this blood and then it's gone. Um, and it can be jarring, but for me, a couple of the things that help is, um, number one, staying grounded is really helpful. Um, that's an actual energetic psychic thing where you connect, um, to the earth energetically, um, and that helps stabilize it. So it doesn't come through too strong or too chaotically. Um, having certain protections in place will also buffer this sense quite a bit, which is good. Um, and having, finding a reason for it. For me, I've always had a huge sense of duty and responsibility with this because I never thought of this as something that was like a coincidence or like, oh yeah, I just happen to be psychic. I always, since I was a child, had a very strong sense that there I had duty and responsibility tied into being this way. And so for me, a lot of dealing with that sort of stuff or um, having these flashes or seeing these things that I see on investigations um, has to do with really staying anchored in why I'm doing this and the sense of responsibility and knowing, yes, that that is uncomfortable, but I am here to create a certain amount of change. Um, I'm here to fulfill I don't want to say destiny because that makes it sound way more important than it is. Right. <laughs> you know, this is cool. why I'm here. This is why I'm supposed to be here. Um, and so understanding that that is just something that comes with it allows me to kind of put it in a box easier or kind of deal with it easier. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I think the word you're looking for is purpose. Um, yeah. I think I think a lot of people try and find that in their lives. And so it's it's awesome that you feel like you found yours, you know, and it, Everything goes with it. So I was, yeah, I was gonna say that's it's powerful to like have that much purpose in your life. And it's interesting, and this is just me being the conspiracy theorist that I am. 
But it's interesting. Notice how the Witch of Wonderlust, Olivia, she was super purpose driven. She like she had such a concise vision, and then Jay has has it as well. I'm just you witches haven't figured out. You know, <laughs> I thought our little coven <laughs> here try. would have figured out our purpose, but I guess we haven't figured it out yet. I mean, my purpose is just to sit here and make people laugh. So if I, I do can love bring that. some laughter in the world. Yeah, I did my job. Educate some people <laughs> through laughter. I love it. I I have a burning question, and I don't even know if it's going to be in the episode. But I went to the website of your guys' group, and it says that you specialize in negative entity removal. And I want to mm-hmm. hear if there, there's just one story that just sticks out like this was the craziest thing you've ever seen and had to deal with. There are a lot of those. Um, yeah, so doing negative entity removal on the team is is interesting because that was something that um, I actually got hooked up with fairly early on back when I was 15 and, and started going to people's houses. The first one I went to was a local business that had um, what I would now kind of classify as the negative entity um, there. And so that was kind of my introduction to doing this work. Throwing to the fire. So... We got, um, my team got contacted by somebody um, who identified themselves as a dark worker who had been working on a haunting um, in Lower Washington. And she said that she decided that she needed help. So she heard about our team, um, thought that we'd be a great fit. So she contacted us and was like, will you come out and look at it? And so we're like, okay. So I went out and this guy who owned the house, single guy, bachelor, um, answers the door wearing a tinfoil hat. Like, <laughs> literally, it was a baseball cap covered in tinfoil, nice. which he later explained kept the demon away. Uh, so we're like, okay, you know, when you do the paranormal, you you run into all kinds of people. Yep. Um, and so we go inside. And like normal, I have no idea why we're there or what's going on. Um, we do something called pre-impressions, which means that sometimes I get pictures of the inside of the home before we go um, that I can kind of pick up psychic information from. Um, and all the psychics get um, a chance to do that. And then we send it to our case manager. So none of the psychics talk to each other, um, but the case manager gets our notes of, of what we're all picking up. And she says it's always fascinating to see kind of what how much stuff lines up. Um, so we go inside and we start to do our walkthrough. And so it was me... Um, I think two others, and we're just kind of walking around, picking up a vibe. And this guy um, is talking to the lead psychic that's there on our team, and, and he's, he's very chatty. So we're like, okay, we're going to leave him talking with, with our lead psychic while we walk around. And I'm in this guy's bathroom, and I'm hearing this like kind of scraping sound or kind of like a scuttling sound, but it's it's with what I call my inside ears. So I know that it's not actually happening. It's it's kind of like a, a psychic sense that I'm picking up. And I'm getting kind of this idea that it's, it's coming from in the walls. And I'm like, okay, I've, I've never had that before. And normally I get a very specific pinpoint of, oh, the entity is standing over there. But this time it kind of felt like it was from all over. And I wasn't sure why. And I'm standing in this guy's bathroom and I'm looking up at where kind of like the wall meets the ceiling and the sound gets even more intense. And I see out of that kind of seam area up there, all these spiders just like crawl down the wall and like, in like a big kind of like river. And I know that this is a psychic impression. So I'm 
not super freaked out. I'm, I'm an arachnophobe. I do not like spiders. Um, but this was something where I'm like, okay, this is something that I'm seeing psychically. They're not actual spiders. Um, and I see them kind of come down the wall in this big river, collect on the floor, and then go out into the living room. And so I follow them. And I go out and this, all these spiders start to pile up behind the guy who's standing there talking to our lead psychic. And they pile up all the way into this figure, like this black cloak figure there. And it's standing just like right behind this guy breathing down his neck. And I'm watching and I'm, I'm doing a drawing in my little notebook <laughs> that I carry around for the psychic walkthrough. Walk so I'm doing a drawing of it as fast as I can. And it notices that I'm watching. And so it then breaks apart into all these spiders again. And then it goes snaking across the carpet and then under this door. And earlier when the guy had shown us around the house, we had kind of passed this door. I'm like, oh, like, what's this? He's like, oh, well, that's nothing. Like, so I figure it's like a closet or something, like whatever. And I'm like, why did they go in here? And I go over and I open the door. And it's not a closet. It is a stairway up to the entire second floor of the house that he didn't tell us about. Um, and I found out once I went up there that that's where this thing kind of lived. That's where its home base was because there was just like one room up there. Um, and so I'm like, okay, like now I understand why, because sometimes uh, entities will exert a certain amount of influence over the people that they live with, especially if the people that they live with um, like the activity. And the entire time we were there, we very much got the sense that the guy didn't really want the activity fixed as much as he wanted other people just to be around and experience it. Okay. And so we did kind of the exorcism and got rid of it. And as we're leaving, we all kind of had this sense like, no, it's coming back. Like he, he liked it too much yeah. um, for it not to just be invited back in. Fast forward like five years. Um, I'm standing in line at like a local ghost conference and I hear this guy behind me talking about his demon. And I realize he's using my name and someone else's name on the team. And I turn around and, and it's the same guy and he has um, a digital camera and he's showing people pictures that he caught of it in the home. And he's showing them like, um, like he's showing pictures of like his, his grandkids or something. Um, like he's so proud of it. And I'm like, this is why it's still in your home. Because sometimes people <laughs> do like it. Yeah, yeah um, And when it. that happens, you can't really get rid of it because if, if they're invited, then they're allowed to stay yeah. or to come back. Wow. Yeah, it's so just weird. Just giving them that's their powerful. energy. Yeah, yeah. I, that sounds like some Resident Evil shit right there. <laughs> no, yeah, the next, the next step in that plan is to feed the children to the entity. Increase its power even more. <laughs> Come on, more spiders, more spiders. <laughs> that was some Constantine shit. Like, just morphs into a spider monster. That's terrifying. That's wow. Jason's uh, top hat, man. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you're you're so right. Good one. That was good. Yes. All right. So, wow, that's awesome. That was that's, sick. That's a crazy story. I like that one. So I'm t I I presume then all these experiences are what prompted you to write this book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, in a lot of ways. Well, it was kind of a part of number one. I wanted to share kind of what I knew, but. I started to realize that there were too few of us doing this work. So I really realized though that I needed to write this book after I had spent some time with other paranormal investigators. Because, you know, I, I grew up with a witchcraft education. And so that very much translates over into the paranormal um, very quickly once you kind of know what's going on. Um, so I expected 
a lot of other investigators to know all the things that I did as far as like how to interact with hauntings, how to fix them, how to um, help in the event of a haunting. Um, and I started to realize, especially when people from like out of my area or out of state would contact me online and be like, hey, I'm experiencing this haunting. Can you help me? And I'm like, well, I can't because I'm way too far away. Um, but let me contact your local paranormal team. And you kind of go on Google real fast, find who's in their area and contact them. And if I got a response at all from these teams, it would be, well, we can't do anything to help, but we'd love to come take pictures. Hmm. And that's, it's not helpful. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's just research. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, the last thing this family that's really scared needs is for you to go on safari in their house um, or to come in and get really riled up so that you can get good photos and then leave. Um, (laughs) So I realized I'm like, oh, people aren't receiving this education. And so this has been in my brain to write for years at this point. And so I'm so very glad to have it coming out um, because I'm trying to teach people to do what I do. And so this book is a manual um, for working with hauntings, doing negative entity removal, um, identifying and diagnosing these things um, and kind of knowing essentially what to do with them. So whether you're a witch or a paranormal investigator, um, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> get more people who are able to help and not just take photos. <laughs> Uh, totally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm intrigued if you, uh, cause I know you can pre-order your book now. And mm-hmm. as a reminder to the, to listeners, it's the witch's guide to the paranormal, J. Allen Cross. And I'm reading the, the synopsis or the, you know, preview that you wrote at the bottom. And I, I gotta say, if I wasn't into the paranormal at all, and I read this, I'd be like, I want to meet this guy. It literally says here, uh, how to craft a seal, open and close portals. Oh, we're, that's exciting, right? <laughs> yes. That is very exciting. We're going to read the book and then go to Chase's house and get, that's get all gonna, the... That's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, speaking of that, what Hunter just said, so uh, what advice do you have for uh, our young witches and warlocks out there looking to get into the practice? Oh, to... That's a great idea. Um, to not be afraid um, is easier said than done, um, but that's helpful. Um, It is kind of part of it is to learn to to not be afraid, um, to know that the truth is always stranger than fiction, because let me tell you, (laughs) being in this work, I'm like, I'm like, it's not like it is in horror movies. It's it's weirder. It's always weirder. Um, Stranger than fiction. Yep. Yes. And always, always, it's my biggest advice for new people who are doing the paranormal. It's a good motto to have. It's paranormal starts with P go potty before you do your paranormal investigating because something jumps out at you. That's for you, Chase. And you have an oopsie. You're going to lose all your paranormal credibility. Your paranormal <laughs> credibility? I fucking love it. Uh, so, that, that's, so, that's the best one. I'm, I'm going to put that, that. Yeah. We're, we're going to make a post. P is for paranormal. Go potty paranormal before you do paranormal. Me. Yes. <laughs> wow, that was great. <laughs> Would have tell the Denver ghost hunters that one. <laughs> okay. Well, see, they never they never deal with the nefarious stuff. They always have good energy. Yeah, they go to bars and brothels <laughs> and fun shit. You know, <laughs> Jay's over here. You know, dealing with spider monsters. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> totally different. Uh, okay, so uh, we're gonna move on to the next question. It's a multi-parter, but I, one of the and I'm kind of modifying what what I'm curious about. So. We've been talking about uh, the paranormal and all these these interesting things that you've seen and whatnot. And and in general, what what does a witch use 
when they're using witchcraft, how do they do that to interact with the paranormal? Is there like a cool beginner spell or something that you guys do? Like you can like for us, you know, non-witches and, and warlocks, if you have anything like beginner level, you can kind of tell us kind of like, like a Harry Potter spell, like Lumos, you know, just easy. Just turn the lights on. <laughs> just something like that. Cause I'm just curious totally. on when you go into investigation, what you do. So what's interesting is a great deal of the work that I use on, you know, in the field or, or while I'm doing paranormal work falls into the category of what we call mental magic, which means that it's often done without tools, uh-huh. which is excellent because when you're out in the field on an investigation, yeah, there's only so much you can carry with you and you don't know what's going to be there when you get there or if you've brought the right stuff. So it's important to be able to kind of do the work um, without a lot of the fancy stuff. And so a lot of what I teach you in the book is stuff that you do specifically with your brain through like visualization, um, belief, um, force of will, things like that. And so one of the things I teach in the book is how to open the light. So if you are working with a ghost, which is a spirit of a deceased human that is still in our plane, um, they sometimes need help getting over to the other side. Sometimes the light is open near them and they either are choosing not to go for personal reasons or they can't see it. So sometimes just by kind of talking with them, you can get them to kind of like, oh, it's there. And then they go through it. Other times they can like go to something like a funeral home and utilize someone else's light to get to the other side. Um, but we can also open it ourselves. And it is deceptively simple. A lot, like a lot of the stuff I teach in the book. It's stuff that people are going to go, that's all you do. It's like, yes, that's all you do. Um, so you can open the light to help uh, ghosts uh, cross over simply by, use, by using kind of um, your imagination muscles. We call it visualization. Uh, but essentially what you do is you start by kind of picking a spot. Where do you want the light to be? So um, usually there's like a big picture window or something like that. I'll put it there because it's like out of the way or for outside, I'll put it like between two trees or something. Just, you know, pick wherever. Um, and what you do is you kind of, I ground myself and I say a prayer that's optional, um, depending on your path. Sure. And then I visualize, um, like a crack forming in the air and it goes kind of in both directions, kind of goes downwards and upwards. So it stretches vertically until it's about eight feet tall. Um, and out of this crack, you, you visualize like the brightest light you've ever seen and the only way I can really describe it is like if you've been in traffic on like a really hot sunny day and like the sunlight is beaming off of like a chrome part of, of some car in front of you yeah right and it's just like coming right at you <laughs> that's how I describe what what the light looks like um, and so I see this crack kind of opening and spreading and, and this this light growing and growing until it's about the size of, of a doorway um, and I walk you through kind of all the steps to this in the book, but essentially that's it. You you visualize this this portal opening to the next spot, and then it opens, and you can um, help them through. Sometimes they need a little a little guidance, a little help, a little counseling um, to kind of deal with the whole going through the light thing. Um, but once you get them through, then you can close it up simply by visualizing it closing, and it is that simple. Fascinating. I'm actually was trying to do that while you were talking trying to visualize the light and uh, it wasn't working, but <laughs> I've done these in my own meditations before. And, mm-hmm. and I did this in a seminar in, in San Francisco once where we had to visualize our future selves and that future self for me had a lot of light associated with it. So it's just interesting mm-hmm. that you talk about the light. Cause it makes sense, right? If you go into a place that, you know, malicious or not, 
we don't know. You're you're investigating it. You might as well bring a positivity or you know whatever word you want to interchange out with the light. Bring the light into the situation and visualize, visualize that. We talk about that all the time in the podcast, manif- the manifesting and all that. Well, and yeah, so what I wanted to say was, um, I think I even brought this up on Olivia's episode too, but that's something my mom has taught me since I was a child because my mom and I are the two that actually believe in the paranormal in the family. And uh, <clears throat> she has always told me, she's like, you know, if you feel uh, threatened at all or uncomfortable, then the first thing you do is you visualize the light. And so it's interesting to hear everybody's way of forming that. Myself is, um, I'm sure you've seen that that meme on Instagram where it's got the guy who's <laughs> like on fire, basically the lights radiating off his body and he's floating in the air. I that's always kind of kind of how I visualized it. Yeah, you're just a, you're um, a fireman. I was the ball of light, you know, <laughs> yes. radiating off myself to keep the the evil spirits away. So he's got that BDE. What? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Psychic self-defense is important, yes. especially yes. when it comes to paranormal work. Oh, yes. I mean, I feel like that's your main form of defense. Well, it's just like uh, in our Ghost Hunters episode where they talk about how every time they go in, they try to have positive vibes only when they walk in. Right. So mm-hmm. anything that they do see is not malicious or anything. Yeah, makes sense. I like that. Okay, so next question. Um, so... As us novice ghost hunters, which we are, we do love to do our little ghost hunts. We did one in Riverdale, and two weird things happened. One, we didn't see anything paranormal, and we saw maybe aliens. Two, <laughs> two, two. The worst thing, all the files got corrupted, which is always a great sign of something weird happening. So we are novice, and that, and always back up your your videos when you're ghost hunting, friends. Um, but Jay, give us some um, give us some topics in your book that we should look out for that really speaks to the beginners. What's what's some of the, the things in your book that we really should look out for as beginners? Absolutely. So I I do tell people that this book is, is not a foundations in witchcraft book. Um, however, I do have an entire chapter that are kind of like, just so we're on the same page, these are the basic skills that you're going to need um, going into this as far as witchcraft is concerned. So I teach you how to ground yourself. Um, I teach you how to protect yourself, very similarly to what you're talking about with visualizing the light around you. Um, I go into that in detail, um, as well as kind of some, some, some of those basics for sensing energy. Um, so I have another chapter that's on like mediumship basics, how to communicate with spirits are in there as well. Um, and then I start off with, with three basics. So I have the witchcraft basics, the mediumship basics, and I have um, the paranormal investigation basics where I talk about the equipment. Like what is a K2 meter? How do you use it? What is an EVP or um, what is a mel meter? You know, things like that. So I go through a lot of vocabulary in those sections to kind of get everybody on the same page. So even if you are new, um, you'll kind of you'll, you'll kind of have everything you need there to get you started. Um, and then from there, I break down all the different, um, the four different types of hauntings um, and then go into some kind of more advanced witchcraft near the end. Um, so it does very much start off with beginner stuff um, and talks about kind of like how to make the magic work. Um, and then going forth, I also have a section in there in the mediumship um, chapter that talks about pendulum dousing because a lot of times people are like, well, I want to do this, but I'm not super psychic. So how do I do that? Like 
are you just flying blind? Um, so I teach pendulum dowsing to give people a yes, no, maybe form of divination to work with um, that will help them bridge that psychic gap if they need it. Wow. Very cool. I really want to read this book. Well, you're going to get a chance here in two months. <laughs> no, so some different perspectives on on ghost hunting because I've read like Zach Baggins, you know, intro to in ghost hunting and stuff, and he has he's an interesting take. Takes a lot of history, but it's going to be fun to see your perspective, Jay, as as a, as the witch's side. I think that's going to be what hooks me the most. Definitely. <laughs> so you highlighted a few aspects of your book and some of your teaser posts on Instagram. Uh, can you give us a quick breakdown of how to help a ghost move on in big air quotes from purgatory? Absolutely. So the word the word purgatory in this question um, changes it up quite a bit because it depends on who you're talking to, um, what purgatory is, what it means, um, how it's experienced. Um, so if we're going from the perspective of my first book, uh, which is Mexican-American folk magic, um, if you're going to help a spirit that is in purgatory, um, it means that they're are kind of stuck in kind of a hellish sort of limbo week sort of place. Um, and you would help free them by praying a rosary for them. Um, if we were then to switch hats to my second book, um, purgatory might be defined as something like what earthbound human spirits or ghosts are experiencing by being stuck in our plane and unable to move on to the other side. Um, at which point you would want to start by establishing communication with the spirit, um, just by speaking with it, you can use devices like a ghost box, or um, if, if you wanna use something like a Ouija board or a pendulum, you can utilize those um, to establish communication, or you can just talk to it. That's very helpful. Um, but some of these spirits need a little bit of counseling. So they need to sometimes be told that they're dead and that needs to be handled with compassion and a little bit of patience um, while they process that. Um, sometimes they need to be counseled or counseled on uh, what's on the other side. A lot of times people will be afraid of the light. I don't know what that is. I don't know where it goes. Um, especially children will be concerned about that. So sometimes you have to talk them through it. Um, and once you've kind of got them to a calm place of acceptance, then you open the light like we were talking about earlier. And then they can go on to the next place so that they're no longer stuck in, I guess, earth purgatory. <laughs> and then they can go on to where they're supposed to be next. Fascinating. Yeah, very cool. Uh, you did bring up Ouija boards, and <laughs> I have a of course I have a fascination about them. But he won't do it. But he won't do it. Of course, I won't do it. I want to know your perspective on them. So before we go carve a Ouija board into Chase's attic, we know what we're doing. <laughs> Again, Absolutely. that's be no for me, dog. But oh, let's hear it. <laughs> So Ouija boards, Ouija boards are interesting. And I, I do have a section in the book on them. I, I title it the Ouija board conundrum. Yes. Um, because Ouija boards uh, really depend on, on who you ask. Um, I'm not in the camp that they're totally evil. Um, it's a board with a pointer. It's, it's not evil. Then again, I'm not on the side that's like, there's no difference between a Ouija board and tarot cards. And I'm like, Yes, there is. <laughs> there, there, there's quite a bit of, of difference. Um, so Ouija boards, very much, I kind of liken them to firearms in a lot of way, where it's like uh, Ouija boards are not dangerous unless you are using them incorrectly or haphazardly. Like Adrian. The unfortunate part is that a lot of people think that they know how to use them correctly, and they're very wrong. Uh, 
Um, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I watched this scary movie once or I watched this documentary at one point. Now I know everything. And it's like, they tend to be very off base. The, the thing with a Ouija board or any form of spirit communication is you want to be very specific about who or what it is that you're trying to contact. And when it comes to modern or kind of any sort of Ouija board culture, it's very common to see people who are, you know, at a party with friends, maybe they've been drinking, maybe they're at a slumber party and everyone's really scared and spooked, um, or because all these things play into it. So it's not so much the Ouija board itself as it is the culture surrounding it. And when it comes to specificity, you've seen people use Ouija boards before and they go, is there anything out there that would like to communicate with us? And that's a very big invitation for just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it, so first of all, specify, what is it that you are like, where are your boundaries with what you are contacting? The second thing you need to understand is, is what we call agreements. So in human spirits and some human spirits to a certain degree, um, are not allowed to interact with us or harm us or do any of this stuff without our permission. And they get our permission through agreements. Now, agreements aren't always um, very clear. So it, for instance, um, hauntings will start very slowly a lot of the times with something like a knocking sound in the walls until eventually you knock back. And then that's an invitation, that's an agreement for communication or, or haunting will start with like a knock at the door and you open the door and no one's there. Well, I'm you so fucked. The door. That, that's why kids, that's why Schwann's in your house. I'm so <laughs> fucked. That's why I have all these water leaks in my house. God damn it. Could you want to update it him? Could be. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Tell him Chase, tell him, tell him who Schwann is. Oh, have you, have you listened to episode two at all? No. What is a Schwann? <laughs> What is a Schwan? Adrian has had issues with shadow people in the past, and so we were looking up oh. shadow people, and he found Schwan, who is apparently the um, corrupted shadow person that is looking to take over all humanity. He found it on Reddit. And he found <laughs> it. Solid place, right? Right. And uh, so ever since then, I guess he's been a, kind of our, um, our mascot. pseudo-mascot co-representative of sucking his purgatory. And so now, because Adrian likes to <laughs> fuck around all the time, giving him evil eyes right now, Hunter has had um, numerous water leaks in his house. Yep. <laughs> Over the top of my head, oh. too, in my basement. From the, the leak was from my second floor. And uh, there's just it's just statistically improbable. Well, <laughs> the week previously, I, to I told Schwan to <laughs> leave a water leak for Hunter. And then it happened. So. <laughs> and now he won't oh, go away. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. So you can blame Adrian for... Uh, <laughs> Messing with the agreements here. So you have my super yes. Christian wife, like in terror, like this fucking entity won't go away. I hope it knocks because I'd knock right back. And she doesn't oh believe in that shit at all. And she's like, this Schwan character's gotta go. And I don't know how to get rid of him. Oh no. Oh no, that's hilarious. But it does point out something very important, which is people can make agreements on the behalf of others. As oh, well. Oh no. <laughs> Which is him giving him permission to mess with you with it. Yes. That 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 is kind of one of the many loopholes that goes with agreements. And when it comes to Perfect. Ouija boards, people make agreements very quickly. Cause starting with the invitation, you know, is there anything out there that wants to, you know, interact with us? Big invite. And then depending on how 
you think the Ouija board works because people are in two categories of either, I believe that the spirit moves the pointer, in which case by inviting it to move the pointer, you're giving it permission to move things in the room. Other people are under the impression that the spirit influences us to move the pointer, at which point you've given it permission to exert a certain amount of influence over you, if not perform a partial possession. Uh, this is oh. kind of getting gravely <laughs> I never thought about terrifying. That. <laughs> yeah, that was actually yeah. super trippy to think about. We need to do it. Again. Our so, good buddy Will needs to second thing himself right now. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Exactly. So it's it's very easy to see how is the board evil? No. However, is it really easy to make a lot of agreements in rapid succession with a Ouija board? Yes. So if we're doing Ouija board work, we need to have our protections in place. We need um, a board guide. We need all the all this stuff happening um, to make sure that the board that we're doing so safely. Um, and Ouija boards are nothing like tarot cards. And people will tell you that all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I have heard that. Have you ever tried to shuffle a deck of Ouija boards? It's, it's not the same. Not not the same at all. Not the same. Uh, interesting. I, I am totally mindfucked right now because I've done so much agreeance into so many things on this podcast. Unknowingly. And even on our ghost hunt. So Lord knows what we've brought into here. <laughs> Too much fun. Okay, so one of, uh, I guess one of our final questions, the boys have any other ones here. Um, I think this is a good general question and why, you know, why a lot of writers do what they do. Um, what do you hope to achieve by writing your book? Um, retirement. Yes. <laughs> I, I am tired. Um, I, I don't think I'm done yet. I think I have a few years left of going into people's haunted homes and, and doing what I can to, to help. But um, I'm hoping to no longer be one of the very few people doing this work. Um, at least in the United States, if not around the world, hopefully. Um, I, I would like more people out there doing this. I would like more people who are educated on these topics to be able to go out there and help people. Because that's what a lot of people in who are suffering from hauntings can't find is help. They can find people who are willing to participate in it with them or um, you know, document it. But as far as being able to actually do something to to get them their life back or their house back, um, I want more people to know how to do that and get people the help that they need. It's a very noble and selfless cause, and I love that. We need more people like that in the world. So do you have any advice for folks looking into writing books? Because, you know, you, you wrote these two now that are, uh, you know, we haven't even read the second one. We're already intrigued and Already oh, I did pre order it. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah, it, it's already ordered. Uh, my advice is always don't write a book just to write a book. We have plenty of that. Um, think about why you want to write a book. What impact are you trying to have on the world? Um, and until you can answer that, we're not at a place yet where we can write something meaningful. You can write a book. Absolutely. Um, the world needs another book on what elemental witchcraft or something like that we have 700,000 books on. Um, but ask yourself, like, like, what is, what is a need out there that I can fill that I have knowledge about that, um, I can create something that will actually help or change something or change a perspective. 
on this work. Um, that's really important because anyone can kind of write a book, especially in, in nonfiction, but to write one that actually moves the needle is, is important to try and aim for. Again, a wonderful, wonderful cause and I, and purpose. I love that. Great advice to all you listeners out there. And just do it, right? That's on most things in life. You just got to you gotta full send it and you got to commit to it. Got to do it. Got to yep. do it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for joining us on the podcast today. That pretty much wraps up all the questions for us. And um, I think you blew our minds probably more than enough today. <laughs> I can't I, handle one anymore. Know, right? <laughs> it's amazing. I come into these things like, oh, you know, it'll just be fun. This great, great, great artist and, 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 and writer. It's going to be great. And then boom. I, I'm seriously going to have to go home after this and like contemplate some things. <laughs> Especially your dreams. Yes. Well, once again. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Yep. Once again, thank you so much. Um, guys, don't forget to check out his book. It's coming out. Do you have a date in September? September 8th. The Witch's Guide to the Paranormal, September 8th. Make sure you guys check that book out and his previous book because you guys will learn a wealth of knowledge. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested. So um, it's going to be a great experience for all you guys. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about uh, Mr. Cross, go ahead Give his Instagram a nice little follow. His Instagram is at Oregon underscore wood underscore witch. You can look at all his posts. He has amazing posts on everything he's doing. So make sure you look that up. And then while you're on Instagram, go over, hit our page, which is at stuck in this purgatory and hit our link tree and find all the nice little links Chase has provided for you guys. Thank you guys once again for listening to our podcast. Um, We hope to continue to bring good content, and I would say this was phenomenal for everyone. So I can't say thank you enough, Jay. (laughs) I really do appreciate it, Um, and I appreciate all you listeners out there as well. Thank you guys. Love you. Keep listening. Yes, we are so blessed to be on this podcast and excited. Jay, this is the part of the podcast where I put the the guest on the spot. I uh, ask them a question, just kind of shoot something out. Kind of like what Hot Ones does. I love, I love what they do at the end of their interviews. Uh, give us some some advice, uh, maybe some worldly advice. Doesn't have to be about witches. Anything could be financial, could be spiritual, could be just how to clean your house faster. Uh, just give us some some advice that you wanna you wanna tell the listeners. Some advice. Um, hmm. You know, the best advice anybody ever gave me was. Um, don't forget to breathe. And that seems pretty like, well, of course I'm breathing, I'm alive, but uh, you'd be surprised at the amount of times, especially when we're under stress or when, I don't know, the world is ending around us every day, um, where we are spending a great deal of our time not breathing. So um, make sure you're breathing, take deep breaths um, well and often, um, because that's something that we're not doing enough of. So take some deep breaths, y'all. I have one more question, and then oh, <laughs> so we, bonus, <laughs> bonus, bonus. You can't get Round rid of us. Two. <laughs> so uh, you've heard us bring up Olivia Labunch. She was a other witch that Chase is friends with, and uh, she had this one thing that she really hated, and it was about colonial grass. And I, <laughs> I just want lawns, to know. lawns. Yes. She's talking about lawns, front yard and backyard. What's your position on lawns? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh gosh, lawns. Um, mine out front right now is um, a, a beautiful golden color. 
Nice. Um, because we sort of forgot to water it, and we're in a new house right now, so we couldn't we couldn't find we had an outside spigot until like yesterday. <laughs> so um, right now, um, personally, I don't mind grass being you know there. Um, I like a good sense of wildness and um, abandoned places. So when I actually own a house that's in a non-development like I'm in right now, um, I would like to just let it, just let it go. Just live its best life, get really tall, have wildlife move into it, have people wonder if anyone actually owns that home or not. Just get <laughs> I love it. I Sounds like, like Chase's brother. It, just nature, nature just come in and just do what it needs to do. I love that. You know what's funny? I'm a real estate agent, Jay, and my heart rate is increasing rapidly. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah. No, I love that. No, truly, though, because uh, if you have any connection to nature and whatnot, you know, actually taking off your shoes and socks and touching touching grass, you know, actually touching grass with your feet is the mo- one of the most powerful things you can do in the short term in this world, I think. So, yes, let your, let your yard go grow crazy, Jay. And, and to your point, and as we wrap up here again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, listeners. We're, we're so excited to have you. And uh, to Jay's advice, you know, don't definitely don't forget to, to not breathe. Because if you do stop breathing, you might find yourself stuck in this purgatory. 